Welcome to the Mind Management Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Bullock. Our brains are on autopilot, sorting information and just giving it all meaning. Here I'm going to teach you how to take your brain off autopilot, take control, and manage your thinking so you can live authentically as you and love authentically. I want you to create a life that you are proud to live. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back. It's week two, episode two, whatever it is, week two. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to last week's episode, for sharing it, for sharing your comments with me. I'm so very grateful and it's just really, really cool to watch something go from thought and idea into actual circumstance and it's out there and I get to choose my thoughts about it and most of them I'm excited for still, but there's still a little bit part of me that I'm like, oh, this is real. This is real. Exciting. Okay. Anyway, today is, as I'm recording this, today is my eighth anniversary. Ah, exciting. It feels like a long time and also not a very long time. So, but looking back, I was thinking, writing about a bunch of thoughts this morning that have served me well in my marriage that as I've implemented has changed actual circumstances in my marriage, actual ways that I view my marriage. And this last year has probably been my favorite year of our marriage. I don't know, honey, if it's been yours, but it's been mine. So anyway, this morning I was writing down some thoughts and things that I've implemented that I love and have served my marriage well. So I found eight of them, eight years, eight thoughts. I didn't do that on purpose, but I'm kind of glad how it worked out. And I want to share with them, share them with you today. All right. So I'm jumping right into it. Thoughts that I hope will bless your marriage as they have blessed mine. Okay. Number one, be in love with the person that your spouse is now and not the person that you want them to be in the future. Our brain does this funny thing. And it's like, if they did this, then my future would look like this. And it would be beautiful. It paints it in like the rose-colored glasses, paints this perfect image of your future if it only, if they would only do the thing that you think that they should do. Like maybe it's take you out on dates or eat a certain way or work out with you or do all these things and then your marriage would be beautiful and wonderful and you'd be so in love. That's kind of what our brain does, but that's what we think that the future would be. But the, it, the brain's job is just to find the problems. So what it actually would look like in the future, if they even did those things, right? If they took your advice and they now take you on a date once a week and it's elaborate and beautiful, it would find something else. It would look like, oh yeah, we go on dates, but he doesn't want to travel. Or we go on dates, but he doesn't want to follow the same diet that I want to follow. He has like whatever it is, it will find something else to fix it and focus on. So you're feeling the exact same feelings that you are feeling now. The same discontentment, the same, I will be happy when. All right. So watch it. If your brain is doing that, like if he did this, then I could feel more love for him. Then I would feel happier in my marriage. Our job is to love them right now, exactly as they are. Exactly as they are. That means with all their strengths and their weaknesses. But sometimes there's like 
big things that we just don't love. Like we actually don't love the behavior that they're doing. And we kind of like our reasons for not loving the behavior. One way that I think that you can implement this thought of like loving them exactly as they are, a barrier to that is like the behavior. Okay. So a process that I do is separating behavior from the individual. If there's a behavior that you don't love, it's like, I don't love that behavior, but I love you so much, right? We don't have to make that behavior mean anything about the human. Like, like for me, for example, I like to, one behavior that I don't love that I do is I'll pick up my phone and scroll it sometimes mindlessly and I get stuck in there for a long time. If I made that behavior mean that I was lazy, if I made that behavior mean that I was weak, right? If I take the behavior, that neutral behavior, and make it mean something about me as a person, then that's where I get stuck. That's where the meaning gets really, really big. So take the behavior of your spouse and look at all of the meaning that you're giving it to him as a person, right? If he uh, doesn't take out the trash or something, you might have meaning that like, oh, he's unorganized or maybe he's not thoughtful or whatever it is. Take that meaning out of there because that doesn't have to mean anything. Their behavior doesn't have to mean anything about the actual character of the person. Okay. So separate behavior from person and then just work on loving this human exactly as they are in this moment and not being in love with the person that you think that they can be because that person doesn't exist right now and you're missing out on so much to love right now, right? If let's say they did all of the things that you want them to do, your thoughts would still be there. You would still feel discontentment, but all that you're doing is postponing the love that you could be feeling for them right now. Okay. So if, if they did everything right, And then you're like, okay, and now I love them, right? Now I love them. Now you get to feel the love. Then you just waited. You just lost all of that time with them that you could have been feeling actual love for them. Okay, so if you work on your thoughts, if you practice loving this person right now exactly as they are, because humans are imperfect and that's just the fact of life. If you work on loving them exactly as they are right now, you get to feel the love. Like you get to feel its effects in your body when it creates like that actual chemical reaction in your body and it's creating the vibration of love. Your actions fueled by that feeling of love are going to change. And then you just solve the problem. They don't have to change anymore because you just got the end result of what you wanted if they were to change all of those things. Does that make sense? All right. So Thought number one, be in love with the person that they are now and not the person that we think that they have the potential to be in the future. Love them right now. All right. Thought number two is decide that this is your person and you're going to be with them forever. Okay. This one came about when I got in a stupid little argument with my spouse and he went into a different room and I went into a different room and I was sitting down and folding laundry. And I remember it was over something stupid. Don't remember what it was, but I remember this huge shift in my brain because I was really watching my thoughts that day. I was really getting curious and I noticed the thought come up of like, oh, this is how it ends. And it just was like that rush of 
realization that I used to think that in all of our arguments before. I remember hearing in the first year of my marriage that like 50% of marriages end in divorce. And so every time we'd have a little disagreement, every time that he would do something that I didn't love, every time that we'd get in a big disagreement, I was like, oh, this is just evidence. Like, we're not going to make it. Are we going to make it? And the brain would answer back, nope, not at this rate. You're not going to make it. So I noticed it that day. It was really apparent, I think, just because what we got in a fight over was so small that I was like, oh, oh, that's all this is. This is just a thought pattern of my brain. This is just my brain looking out for me, trying to solve a problem that doesn't even exist yet. Of course, my brain wants me to be able to take care of myself if that were to happen. That's all the brain is doing. It's just trying to protect me. But that doesn't mean that it's true. That doesn't mean that we aren't going to work out. That doesn't mean that this really is the end over something really, really dumb. So in that moment, I thought, no, this is my person and I'm going to be with this person forever. Like if somebody were to just tell me, for sure you guys work out, you work out forever and no, you know, it's fine. Then how my actions would change in that moment and the weight that I gave this one little argument would all diffuse. And that's what happened in this moment. That's what I really noticed is that the problem at hand did diffuse. It like used to hold lots of meaning and it was big emotions because it had so much meaning. And then as I thought this thought of, nope, this is my person and I'm going to be with this person forever. It took the drama out of it. It fizzled it down to where it was just, oh, this is just a disagreement. And my words changed and my reaction changed. And yeah, I still had some, some emotion attached in there, but it did change my reaction and my words were kinder, right? If I knew that this is going to be my person forever, how would my reaction change? And it did. So watch it if your brain ever does that. I know for some of you, this may not be a thing, but For others of you, your brain might be collecting evidence because there's that question of, are we going to make it, right? Just decide, nope, we're going to make it. And this is why. And then as you give your brain that directive to look for, yep, we're going to make it because this is my person, then it's going to start collecting more and more evidence to prove that true. The brain wants to be right way more than it wants to feel good. So if you think we're not going to make it, it's going to find all the reasons why you're not going to make it. But if you think for sure, this is my person and we're going to be together forever, it's going to find all of the reasons why that thought is true. So try that one on. All right. Number three is more of a task. It's not really a thought. It's kind of just a little practice that I do. This came from Byron Katie's work. Um, it's based on her, the turnaround, right? So sometimes I'm critical of my spouse. I'm critical of myself. I'm critical. I just find the problems really easy because I have a human brain and we all do this at some point. But when this happens, when I notice I'm in that mood, I get out a piece of paper and I'll write down all of the shoulds that I have for my spouse in that moment. And I'll write down, he should do this and he should do this and he should do this. And then I look at them and I flip them back onto me when I'm ready, right? When I'm out of the really high emotion where everything's his fault and I'm really mad, 
once that fizzles down a little bit, then I take it and I'm ready to change my actions. Then I take it and I will flip it to something that I should do. So for example, if the should on him is he should be more compassionate, I'll flip it and I will say, I need to be more compassionate. And in Byron Katie's work, she has you ask, is it true? Is it, or how is that statement true or truer than the statement before? And most of the time I can see that it's actually truer than what I think he should do. So if the should again is he should be more compassionate and then I flip it to, I should be more compassionate. And I ask myself, how is that true or truer than the other statement? It most of the time is way truer than the beginning statement. Maybe it's the fact that I should be more compassionate to myself and stop judging myself so much. So somebody else's judgments don't hurt as much. Maybe it's I should be more compassionate towards him because most of the time when I'm writing these things down, I'm in a pretty critical mood. So I can find so much evidence for the fact that I should be more compassionate. All right. So take that little exercise and give it a try. Maybe when you're not in super high emotions and caught in the story, when you're ready to change something, write those shoulds down and see how the opposite, like it flipped back onto yourself, how it could be true or truer than it actually being their job to do those things. Okay. So number four is one that I still notice myself doing. I'm still working on. I think it will be a lifelong thing, but every single time I implement it, it just changes so much for me and it helps me feel way more empowered. Okay. Number four is take charge of your emotions and don't blame him for them. Your feelings are always caused by your thoughts. Never, never by his actions, his thoughts, his deeds, your feelings are always caused by your thoughts and the meaning that you give his actions, his words, his whatever it is, right? The things that he does, those circumstances. It is always our thoughts. And sometimes we don't want to believe that, but it is. And if we are giving all the responsibility to him, then we lose all of that power to change it. Then we're stuck because if they have to show up a certain way in order for us to be happy and we have zero control over other humans, then we're stuck being unhappy. So let's say a compliment, right? He gives you a compliment. It's never really the compliment that's making you feel good. We think, oh, he gave me a compliment and now I feel loved. That's not how it works. He gave you a compliment and your thoughts might be, oh, he's being so thoughtful. Wow, that was really awesome for him to notice that. Um, Or I don't believe it, but he means well, right? Maybe any of those thoughts are what's creating that feeling of love for you, that he took the time to think about you, Um, whatever meaning you gave those words, right? But on a completely different day, he could say the exact same compliment to you And maybe your thoughts are like, he's just trying to butter me up for something. Maybe he doesn't really believe it. And he's actually pointing out something that I hate about myself. It doesn't matter the words that he says. It's our thoughts that create that feeling for us. Because if you had those thoughts after he said the words, then you might be feeling some anger or maybe some judgment or maybe some insecurity. Whatever it is you're feeling, it does not come from your spouse. So 
I like to take when I notice myself giving all of like, he did this and then I feel sad. I think our feelings are valid. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't ever choose to be in a negative emotion. I think sometimes there are healthy, completely healthy thoughts that don't produce a happy feeling. There are healthy thoughts that create uncomfortable emotion for us. There are thoughts that we want to keep that create uncomfortable emotion. So I don't think that we're doing it wrong if we're feeling an uncomfortable emotion. What I do think is the most beneficial for us is to realize that we are the creators. No matter if it's happy, no matter if it's an uncomfortable emotion, we are the creators of it. It is not their responsibility to make us feel happy. It's not their responsibility to make us feel confident, to feel loved, to feel secure. That can only come from our thinking. So once we take the pressure off of them to create that for us, then we can start doing the work to create what we want to feel on purpose. So I notice myself doing this more and more and sometimes I'm really good at coaching myself to a place of a better feeling emotion and I don't notice that I'm giving him all of the responsibility for that emotion, right? So I notice this still. I think that this will be a work in progress, but when we do it, they get to be themselves and we get to be ourselves and it just creates like two whole humans coming together in a relationship and then we actually get to feel authentic love, right? We get to love them exactly as they are. We don't have to rely on them to change. We know that we're the creators of our own experience. So try that one on. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to say with that too, and this, this goes for our needs, right? Fulfilling our own needs and taking care of our own needs. So I used to put all of my needs on my husband and I'm a very social person. <laughs> I love to go to all the events. I love that. I extrovert maybe. Sometimes I don't think that I'm always an extrovert, but Anyways, very social person. He doesn't have the same social needs as me. And I used to try to make him do all of those things. I used to try to push him to do all of those things. And he was miserable. And I was miserable trying to push him to do all of those things. And so once I realized, oh, all of my needs don't need to be fulfilled in one person. And that's okay. Like one part of me thought that that was good and righteous. And what a good marriage should do was to that person be your everything. Like they fulfilled everything for you. They were your best conversation person. They are your shopping buddy. They are your every single need going to be put on this one person, your spouse. Like I thought that that's how it was supposed to be. It's not. It's not. How could one person fulfill all of the needs for you? And it could, it could be, and that's fine. But if it's not for your marriage, but you want it to be, just watch that. It's okay to get those needs filled in different people in like a best friend. You know, I have friends that are my shopping buddies and I don't necessarily need my spouse to be that if he doesn't want to fulfill that need, it's okay. And it doesn't have to mean anything about our marriage and the quality of our marriage, it's just fine. And to couple along with that same thought, of taking charge of your own emotions. This also kind of the inverse of that. It's okay to let your spouse have emotions, right? It's okay for them to feel an uncomfortable emotion. And 
it's actually a good thing for them to feel an uncomfortable emotion. Okay, we don't have to, we have zero control over their emotions. We don't have to babysit them. We don't have to walk on eggshells for them. It's okay to let them have an uncomfortable emotion, right? We don't have to be mad at them if they come home grumpy. We don't have to change the mood for them. This is where I like to just say, okay, if they're bringing X emotion, like an uncomfortable emotion, let's say, let's say they're stressed, your spouse is stressed. So if they're bringing stress to the table, what do I want to bring? What feels like my best self? I could match their stress with more stress, or I could match their stress with like anger about them being stressed. I could do that. But would it be helpful? Would it be creating what the kind of person that I want to create, the kind of marriage that I want to create? Most of the time, that's a no. So if they're bringing stress, what could I bring to the table that would create the marriage that I want to? Maybe I'll bring certainty. Maybe I'll just bring a lightheartedness. But whatever you choose, it's okay to let your spouse have that emotion. It's okay. We don't have to fix it. Nothing has gone wrong. Negative emotion isn't always a problem. Okay. All right. Thought number five is one that I love in so many different cases, not just in my marriage, anytime that my brain really wants to find a villain. And most of the time our brains, if something goes wrong, if we're feeling a negative emotion, it doesn't like to take ownership of that emotion. It wants someone to blame because that feels like it fixes the problem. So number five thought is there doesn't have to be a bad guy. A lot of the time my brain wants to make the spouse the bad guy or somebody else the bad guy because then they have the responsibility for the negative emotion and I don't. Okay, but the book You Can Be Happy No Matter What by Dr. Richard Carlson is so good at explaining these thing called thought systems, right? Thought systems are just how we take the incoming data and our brain filters it and makes sense of it all. Okay, and they are shaped as we grow. Sometimes they're shaped by high emotions that we experience. Sometimes they're shaped by little things. They're shaped by um, our experiences or things that people said, right? It just shapes this thought system as we grow. And every single one is just as different as your fingerprint. Not any single person's thought system is the exact same. So every time that... I think about like arguments or where we differ, where we're mad at each other. What feels right to me might not feel right to my spouse. I like to combat this like it wants to have a bad guy. My brain really wants to have a bad guy. But when I slow it all down and I'm like, oh, this is just two different thought systems at play. What I believe is right, what I believe is good might not be the same thing as him. But that doesn't mean that he's wrong. That doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Neither of us have to be wrong and we can just be different. And that's okay. Two different thought systems. So what is right by me, a lot of the times I see this in how we live like the gospel or like what I believe is righteous, right? What I believe creates like honesty and all these good values that I love and the things that I love to feel what might feel like righteousness and honesty and good to me might not be the same thing to somebody else. They might take that same action. Let's say I took, I did one action and it felt good to me and it felt kind. They might take the same action 
and it might feel horrible and dishonest to them. I don't know, so I can't judge their behavior on my own thought system. All right, so there doesn't have to be a bad guy. There can just be different. What is truth to me doesn't have to be truth to somebody else, and that's okay. That doesn't make them that doesn't make them wrong. That doesn't make them bad any more than I am wrong and I am bad. Okay. All right. Number, let's see, six. We're on number six. Different doesn't have to mean disconnection. This one is huge. I coach on this a lot. There are so many things that my spouse and I and other people that I love that we differ on. We are different. We think differently. Maybe it's political. Maybe it's how we raise our kids. It's not even the small stuff. There's some big things that we differ on. And I don't know where we got it, but we believe somewhere down the line, our human brain believes that different, different opinions means disconnection. I think for two reasons. I might go into more detail on another podcast about this because I think it's so important. But I think first, we fear their the impact of their belief, right? I see this a lot in political stuff. Like we fear the impact of their belief and what it will mean for our lives. And then the second thing I think that we disconnect because their belief, we make it mean something about them, about their goodness as a person. If they believe this thing, they might not be a good person. So if we diffuse all of that and we take the meaning out of what they believe and we stop making it mean so much that like it means that they're a bad person and it means that the world is terrible, that our marriage is terrible. It doesn't mean any of that if we have differing opinions. What if it's just different and what if that's okay? And what if there's just as much connection available to us when we have different opinions than when we have the same opinions. Like let's think about favorite colors, right? If my favorite color is green and his favorite color is blue, it has zero effect on how much I love that person. But then if we escalate it to something a bit bigger, like on how we parent our children, then for some reason the brain is afraid of that. It's afraid of disagreeing. It thinks, I remember reading so many things on like, positive parenting or just different styles of parenting. And I kept hearing you and your spouse just need whatever it is. You, your spouse just need to be on the same page. Well, we parent different. And how am I supposed to get us both on the same page? If I want to parent how I want to parent and he wants to parent how he wants to parent. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we're doing it wrong? Does that mean that we're not going to be good at this? What does that mean? Does that mean we're messing our kids up? Probably. But here's the thing. We parent different. And I actually have found so many reasons why it's perfect, right? Why it is so good for our kids and how we complete each other. And those thoughts that I have that I've looked for evidence for, that I've found so much evidence for from before I was thinking we have to be on the same page and we're doing it all wrong. And that created like this feeling of shame, this feeling of guilt, this pressure that, like I said, we're screwing up our kids (laughs) to now being so just happy and grateful for what I have. And 
I actually think that we're doing a pretty dang good job and it makes me feel more love for my spouse because of those thoughts. But the actions haven't changed. We still both parent different. But my thoughts that pair with it now, where I thought it was a problem before, now I see how it's actually exactly as it should be. So different no matter what it is. Maybe it's on political, religious, whatever it is, even if it feels really big, I want you to play with that thought that different doesn't have to mean disconnection. And it really doesn't. There's just as much love available in your marriage if you do things differently than if you do things the exact same. Just as much love available. All right. Thought number seven is What's good for one marriage doesn't have to be good for yours. This is kind of the comparison thought. This is just me watching my brain and it kind of couples with thought number one because when we take like the comparison, right? If we see something happening in another marriage, whether it's on social media or how we think it should be that we've constructed this should, I just like to remind my brain that even in that marriage, even in if all of those circumstances were the same, that there wouldn't be happier than here. I have just as much joy available to me here. And it's okay. It's okay. It's almost like I needed permission for my marriage to look different than others, right? There's not one right way to do marriage to be happy. But for sure, a way to be unhappy is to take all of the marriages that you see on social media or traveling posts or people's stories and how they interact together and start putting those wishes, wishes like, I would be more happy if we were like this. That's a for sure way to make sure that you're miserable in your marriage. Um, Comparison definitely is the thief of joy. So just decide that it's okay. It's okay for your marriage to not look the exact same. And that whatever it does look like, it's all right. Even if it's not where you hope it to be in the future, that's okay. Where it is right now, though, it's fine. Take all of the shoulds that you have, what you think marriage should look like. And if yours doesn't look like that right now, then maybe the thought isn't serving you. Maybe holding on to that should, even if it is a righteous should, even if the should like is good, If it's not your reality right now, don't hold on to it. If it's just creating like resentment and sadness for you, you have the option to let it go. What if how it looks right now is exactly how it should look right now, even if it's a little gloomy? That doesn't mean that it's not going to get better. That doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong either. Sometimes negative emotion is okay. But look at the shoulds. If they're not serving you, like I said, even if they're good, let them go. They're not creating anything good for you. All right, last but not least, thought number eight. This kind of couples with thought systems, but it's the thought, we don't know them as well as we think we do. It's okay to get curious. All right, sometimes I will like anticipate my spouse's reaction and sometimes I paint it in not the most like optimistic reaction. Sometimes I think I know him better than I actually do. Like I'll anticipate his reaction and 
then when I actually go and have the conversation, it's completely different than what I imagined it to be. And I thought, no, for sure. I thought that this would be the reaction. And then he surprises me. It's okay if we don't know our spouses completely. Like we think that we do, but I think curiosity serves us so much better than just assuming we will know their reaction. I think that curiosity helps us get to know them, helps us have more compassion for them and gives us the opportunity to learn about them even more, like actually about them rather than just assuming that we know it's okay to get curious. What I think this thought actually helps with as well is remember those thought systems, right? So our thought systems are completely different from each other, even when we start to assume that they're the same. I think we do that with our spouse. I think we assume that their thought systems are very similar to ours. And then when they're not, when they think differently than us, we're like, what has gone wrong? Like, no, you know better or you know what I will think at this point. I think that we assume too much about their thought systems and sometimes that gets us into trouble. But if we realize that their thought systems are completely different than ours, even though we've been together XYZ amount of years, X amount of years, XYZ, I don't know. Um, Even though we've been together all of this time, our thought systems still can be completely different. And when we do have that thought, when we when we apply this thought that we don't know them as well as we actually think that we do, it's not really a surprise when they're different. We're not as mad when they think differently than us, right? We kind of just expect it and then there's not a problem. But if we expect to be thinking the exact same way, if we expect for all of our values to be the same, all of then we, we have an option. We're judging them by our standards, right? And so we have the option to get mad at them or to wish that they were different. So if we keep that curiosity, if we keep that understanding that there's still things that we need to learn about them, then it's kind of more fun. It's less dramatic. And I think it opens up a larger opportunity for us to love them authentically. All right. I hope these thoughts have helped. I know that when I actually applied them and when I can believe them, like be in love with the person that he is now and decide that this is your person. When I apply those, when I stop my brain from spinning in any of the other thoughts that create disconnection for me in my marriage, these ones are ones that just help me love so much easier, help me spin or silence my own concerns and my own worries. So I hope at least one of those might bring some comfort maybe to you or just maybe some direction of where to take your own actions. And I just hope that it just creates good for you. Anyway, thank you guys for being here. And here's to eight years of marriage and many, many more. (laughs) Okay. I will see you next week. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Share it with a friend if you heard anything here today that helps you or might help somebody else. And I'll see you next time. Bye.